Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Movember Radio. I'm Osher Ginsberg and this is a weekly podcast focusing on men's health and the issues that men face today. Movember is a global community of over 5 million people and each week we speak with someone from that community who's passionate about changing the face of men's health. You can subscribe to this show in the podcast app of your choice on SoundCloud or at MovemberRadio.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Say hello. Tell us what you think of the show. That'd be great. My two guests today are a legitimate full tilt power couple, Kirk Pengilly and Lane Beachley. These two have been together for 13 years. They were married in 2008, and it doesn't get much bigger than this. Kirk Pengilly is the guitar player and the sax player for one of the biggest bands of all time in excess. Several multi-platinum albums under his belt. He's played more packed stadiums than I've had hot dinners. And Lane Beachley. Lane Beachley is a seven-time world champion pro surfer, and she's the only woman ever to do so. Six of those world championships were back-to-back. Lane now focuses on her foundation, aimforthestars.com.au. I've known these two guys for quite a while, so it was really lovely to have a conversation with them. However, they have been through some tough times recently. In February of 2015, at 56, Kirk was diagnosed with aggressive prostate cancer. They went public with this information in June of this year, and today, Kirk and Lane share their story with us of what happened before the diagnosis, during the treatment, and how they've dealt with life on the other side of surgery. I cannot thank Kirk and Lane enough for being so very open, so very honest, and so very generous with this story. They're really, really special people. Kirk and Lane invited me into their beautiful home for this conversation, and I began by asking them to describe the northern beaches, the part of Sydney where they live. In fact, the beach that we overlook uh, is, well, said to be the... Freshwater beach? The, uh, the, the first sort of beach that was surfed on by the Duke. No, so it was where surfing. Am I telling first, you? Yeah. I, so I actually should get your, Lane, who's your a surfing surfer. surfing history is, um, yeah, not as good as your music history, shall we say? Okay. But right. it's uh, the Duke Hanamaku came here from Hawaii and demonstrated surfing for the first time in 1914 down here at Freshwater Beach, and so the first Australian to surf with him was a woman by Isabel, named by Isabel Latham, and uh, so the Australians were really introduced to surfing way back then. And there's a, a copper 
statue up there on the headland that we can see yeah. of the Duke. There is too. And wasn't it the Australian swim team that met him at the Olympics and yes. they brought him back? Yes. Because mm. was. he was a swimmer, wasn't he? Yeah. A, a He's an Olympic, Olympic swimmer. swimmer yeah. Well, those guys, they were watermen, I think. Yeah. You know. yeah. Uh, what was your health and fitness regime like before you met Lane Kirk? Uh, uh, you know, look, I've always been conscious of my health. Um, I've had a naturopath uh, who's probably my, my best friend, I guess, he and his wife, um, besides my wife, Lane. Um, <laughs> And he's been looking after me since about 1988, I think. Um, and I think probably maybe I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for his, you know, herbal tonics and remedies and things that I've been throwing down my um, throat for that long. So. Right. But, um, look, uh, you know, I went to the gym every second day back then. I've been going to the gym every sort of trying every second day for... Hmm, probably over 20 years um, and, you know, fairly aware of what's good to eat and what's not. Um, and ignoring that. <laughs> no, I've never been a, you know, a big sort of take, like, um, uh, you know, takeaway hamburgers and processed food and things yeah. like that. I've always cooked sort of up, uh, you know, fresh vegetables and yeah. meats and foods. But what, what changed when you met Lane? Um, well, my nighttime habits um, changed. Uh, you know, clearly I was nocturnal and Lane was dayternal. Um, so, I, in fact, uh, on our first date, I happened to sleep over because my car was there and I couldn't drive at Lane's place. Um, it's an old trick. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. <laughs> Lane's um, just shaking it. Yeah, and I woke up. I woke up at uh, I don't know, maybe unusually about seven a.m. or something, and Lane wasn't there. And I thought, Where's, oh, she can't, oh, this is what's going to happen. She's going to get up every morning and go surfing. Oh, and I'm going to wake up alone, you know. <laughs> but, um, get used to it. One thing that did change was um, I lowered his beer intake because it caused monumental snoring. Hmm. And, uh, but also I noticed Kirk um, was eating a lot of carbohydrates unnecessarily as well. So just changed his diet a little bit. And he's always had a really good... Um, healthy intake of fruits and vegetables and a balanced diet, but sometimes there was a lot of, a lot yeah, a lot of pasta, pasta and, and yeah, a lot of gnocchi, a lot of rice. Yeah, mm. there was so, actually right. Yeah, so we changed that, uh, increased the protein, lowered the carbs, um, decreased what, the beer intake. What shift did you notice besides the snoring? Uh, <laughs> well, weight loss, greater vitality. Um, he embraced the sunlight for the first time in a long time. I'd set foot on a beach. Yeah, you set foot on a beach. Yeah. Got sand <laughs> between my toes. <laughs> first time since you were about four, 14. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, it was yeah. a gradual, it was a gradual change. But Lane's uh, gluten and yeast free kind of thing. So that was, that was something certainly when, uh, we, you know, we spent a lot of time together in two different houses for a long time before we actually took the plunge and moved in together and, you know, bought a house together eight years ago. Um, and so I think, you know, my diet's changed quite a bit because I do most of the cooking and there's, a lot, the there's, a, lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of things that Lane doesn't um, eat. So I, that's kind of become part of my diet in a way as well. So when the cat goes away, as in me, little mouse starts to eat oh, all the things that no, the I cat don't. can't eat. No, I don't really. I, I don't. Um, <laughs> you? No. But if we go out, you know, I'll have a steak because Lane doesn't eat. Steaks. I don't eat red meat, I don't eat duck, I don't eat pork. I just eat chicken and fish, turkey and salad and vegetables. 
And even then some of the veggies I donate, like mushrooms and capsicum and eggplant and things like that. So, so you guys do a lot to keep your, your, your body healthy. But what are some things – you guys have been together for, for quite a while through yep. some fairly humongous things both personally and professionally. What are some things that you guys do to keep your relationship healthy? Communicate. Yeah, definitely communicate, absolutely. Um, you know, interestingly, when the first half of the 13 years we've been together, we were both still travelling heaps. Lane was still on tour professionally and I was still touring with the band. Absent speak with Hartgrove on. Yeah, so we actually spent a lot of time apart, <laughs> which I, I think, you know, was good in a way because what we have done is we've allowed each other to, um, you know, we accept each other's sort of individual life and needs and wants and all that sort of thing. And um, so we, we've sort of adapted really well, I think, to to each other's needs and accept them, you know. You say communication lane. What does that look like? Well, uh, diary meetings once a week just to make sure that we schedule time in for each other and understand where each other's going to be. You sit down with your... What, now, what are you doing for lunch that day? Can yeah, you make lunch? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we have a, we have weekly diary meetings, and we used to have a lot of little talks too. You know. <laughs> <laughs> little That's talks to uh, no, I mean you know to just to sort out issues, any issues we have with each other, and, oh, yeah. and you know especially when when we came together in one house, um, oh, you know Lane moved me from the city from Potts Point, which is you know a thriving, it's like a little mini New York really, <laughs> um, and Lane was living on the beaches out here, and I. I said to Liam when we moved in together, I don't know if this is going to work. Um, but Which is why he still holds on to that unit over there in the event. No, I'm, I'm going to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, we, but, you know, I said, we'll give it a go and, and yeah. all but that. Craig, so we, Just to put it into perspective, I mean, we've both lived on our own for a very long time, even though you've, you've had partners and I've had partners, but we've both hmm. maintained a sense of individuality. And then when we moved in together, Kirk's very anal, very clean, <laughs> very organised, very structured. And I'm a Gemini. I'm very free-flowing. I love variety. Messy. I'm quite messy. Well, I wouldn't say I'm messy. I have piles of stuff around the place, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not as structured and organised as you. So it was quite a challenge for Kirk to accept that I'm not as. Well, clean it, was mere, it was more that I just couldn't put, you know, I couldn't cook in the kitchen because every flat surface in the house had your paperwork <laughs> all over it. <laughs> and still does. That's a lie. Are we allowed to air back. our dirty laundry Take now? Take that back. See how clean the kitchen is? No, no, I That's did. I noticed, that, I noticed that this morning Thank and I was you. going to commend you on that. <laughs> Tidying up before our visitors came. So, Kirk, as you, um, as you and Lane, as you moved in together, you became, I guess, more it sounds like you shifted more towards a place of being more aware of what you put into your body and what you're doing with your body and, and how that relates. When did you start, you know, kind of doing things like taking more regular physicals or more monitoring your, your PSA levels and things like that? Yeah, look, it's, a, um, I mean, it's a, a constant evolving thing, your health. Um, and, you know, especially in this day and age when one minute something's good for you and the next minute it's not and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, you know, you're con constantly adapting and evolving um, what you do. But um, I, I think probably in my mid-40s, started just to get an annual blood check on everything you can get checked. I, just, you know, because I'm the sort of person that wants to know and be organised and deal with it if it needs dealing with. Um, so, I, yeah, I've had... Uh, full blood tests and, and that sort of thing for over 10 years. Uh, and then about three years ago, I think, the PSA just 
just lightly sort of started to go up a bit and um, I guess two, two and a half years ago, uh, my my GP and I discussed it, and we decided to you know shift that up to six monthly, and then it kept rising. Um, and I did you know I did sort of a fair bit of research, and, and a lot of you know there's they say the PSA blood test for the prostate is not necessarily accurate, but certainly it it can be and is an indicator. And so it started to rise quite significantly more, and um, at that point. Um, we decided to, uh, for me to go and see an oncologist. Is that the correct term? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and he suggested an MRI and and if need be a biopsy, which I did and did the biopsy and nothing showed up. And that was about two and a half years ago or two years ago. Um, and then before Christmas last year, 2014, uh, it rose significantly, sort of exponentially. So I had another MRI and um, a little black spot in the prostate showed up and then the biopsy to check it and sure enough it was um, it was cancer and it was fairly aggressive too. So uh, the oncologist's immediate suggestion was, you know, removal of the prostate. I sort of, I don't know, I've always believed things are in your body for a reason. So, you know, I, I kind of, I, I couldn't get my head around having my prostate removed. So um, we're actually heading away to New Zealand for about 10 days um, on a holiday uh, after finding out that I had cancer. And so I did a whole lot of research on uh, the internet as to, you know, alternative medicines and alternatives and diets. And, and there's so much stuff out there that I got completely confused and had no idea what, you know, really uh, would work or wouldn't work. Anyway, we got back and met with the oncologist again and he said, look, the the only real option is to remove the prostate. Um, So at that point I said, well, (laughs) who's the best? Um, And from there um, met with, uh, well, Professor Stricker uh, out at St Vincent's and um, and he, of course, said the same thing, got to remove the prostate. Luckily, the cancer that I had uh, was only in the prostate, so by removing that, removed the cancer. Can you take us back a few steps to when the blood, when the PSA levels were starting to spike? Mm. What kind of conversations did the two of you have about what, those, what that might mean? Um, I don't, I mean, I, I think I probably, I, I did let, Lane know that the you know the PSA was still going up and we don't know what that means yet and then of course after the first MRI and biopsy being clear then you know I think certainly my thoughts were that um, well maybe just the PSA is you know inaccurate sort of thing but I, I'm sure we discussed it but not at any great level. We discussed it but because of the 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 lack of scientific evidence based around the the the, um, the PSA test. Well, just or... the accuracy of a PSA test determining whether you have cancer or not. Just both gave us that sense of restlessness about it. Like we weren't certain. So that uncertainty makes you question whether how accurate is it, and is it actually do we have cancer, and you know, does he have cancer, and 
you, you just don't know. So it gets to the point where you just keep getting readings just to see if what it's doing. And, mm. and Kirk's naturopath did give him some homeopathics that actually reduced his PSA levels. And at the time, because it was such a minor reduction, we didn't consider it to be of, of any significance. But now in retrospect or in hindsight, I look back and go, that was actually a really significant moment that, that those, by doing that so diligently for three months, you could actually reduce your PSA levels because it was at that point in time where it went from sevens up to 11. And from that, that scope is, is clearly indicative of prostate cancer. But because it was just this gradual increase, neither of us really thought that there was anything wrong. And then when the biopsy didn't indicate anything and the MRI didn't indicate anything, then we thought, well, obviously they're just poking around for no reason and causing the grief and the, I mean the biopsy mm. is intrusive enough you know when you're urinating blood and and all those things for several months afterward it's something you want to avoid as as much as you can so just the tests and the previous biopsy and the previous MRI basically indicating nothing gave us reason to believe that he didn't have prostate cancer. Mm. So what was that holiday then in New Zealand like? Was it was it was it much of a holiday? Oh my god! Yeah, well, it was a black cloud. It was and intoxicating. Yeah, and we actually went with our neighbours, um, who who are great friends, and it was basically a wine and food uh, drive from Wellington to Auckland over ten days. Um, so every meal became my last hurrah, <laughs> and every bottle of wine became my last bottle of wine. But um, Kirk was certain that because we've just had a, a friend who was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she's gone on the keto diet and. And so we were certain that Kirk was going to have to do that. So as far as he was concerned, this was his last hurrah. He was going to eat hot chips every day, drink a bottle mm. of rosé every day, and basically retox his system because the minute he got home, he was going to have to detox 100% and yeah. go from cold, full cold turkey. So <laughs> every day was a celebration of Kirk's life. Yeah. Let's stop uh, at this winery. Yeah, and this winery. <laughs> do you have rosé? No? Okay, next winery. <laughs> so it was a rosé tour. Yeah, it was. But did you, did you talk at all about what? What it might mean if yeah. if if those things came back positive. Well, well yeah, no. and we didn't know we didn't know the extent of it either. Really, that was the thing. The first two days, we actually didn't talk about it at all. We were no. both in denial. Mm. We were both in shock, and uh, and then that's when we decided it was time to start doing some research just to see what the options were because the doctor basically emailed him and said, you got prostate cancer, have a great holiday, see you in two weeks. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Needless to say, he wasn't responsible for operating on you. No. But um, <laughs> the thing no. was that with that lack of... I wasn't of, actually going to go there, but I anyway. <laughs> but, but, but with the lack of information, and, and you've got to have a really good relationship with the people that are delivering this information because it's that uncertainty that causes all the panic. Mm. And that lack of... That lack of of information caused me a lot of heartache. Um, you know, Kirk has always been pretty pragmatic about it. He understands it, that, and fortunately, he's the kind of man that will do whatever it takes to get a proper outcome and a, and a decisive, positive outcome. He's not going to stick his head in the sand and be an emu about it. So, knowing that that Kirk's got that attitude still instilled a lot of confidence in me, knowing that this will actually will overcome this. Yeah, you know, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. But in saying that. From my point of view, just the word, just hearing that your partner has cancer mm -hmm. just filled me with a sense of panic. Um, and I was in denial of it for a couple of days as well until one day I just snapped at my neighbour unnecessarily and she turned around at me and went, I don't like the way you're talking to me. And so I just, I sat back for a while and I kept asking myself, why have I snapped? Why, why have I lost control of my emotions? And it all came around to this fear that um, I hadn't really identified yet. And when I identified the fear, then I lost it and went into tears and then realised I was 
I was scared. Mm. Which is totally weird. understandable. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, we both were because, I mean, really we had that, that sort of 10 days, only two weeks um, of not knowing yeah. uh, whether it had spread out of the prostate, how, you know, where it was in my body, was it, was it everywhere, was it, um, you know, so we didn't really know uh, any of that information until, you know, we got back from New Zealand and, and then went and saw the, on, the email oncologist. <laughs> um, the oncologist. And, and it was funny because we sat there with him and I had written a list of all these different things I'd found, you know, this amazing technology in Germany and this, you know, whatever. Um, and every, every single one of them, he just sort of shook his head and said, there's no proof, you know, and just de denied it all. And that annoyed us even more, you know, so, but thankfully he put us on to, um, to Professor Stricker to eventually. And, and I'm sure um, my, the prior oncologist is good. Um, certainly he was very helpful up until that point. Um, <laughs> And and you know, um, but we're you know very impressed with um, with Stricker and his his network and his whole. It's also I mean, important for people to, to understand that it's okay to see another doctor mm. if if you're having because it's a big journey that you're undertaking with this particular surgeon. Mm. Absolutely, and you're going to have to want to feel that you can trust them. Yeah, very much so. Um, the great thing about Philip Stricker was obviously he's very experienced. He's done five and a half thousand of these operations. Uh, and he um, very knowledgeable and he has a great team around you. So it's not like he says, all right, come in, get surgery and then disappears. You know, he stays in contact and... Mm. Um, and he support staff. Yeah, he's got a real... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Big support crew around him, physios and, mm. and other doctors to support your recovery. I think from, my, from a partner's point of view, you do feel helpless. You feel like you can't do anything or help in any way. Um, and then in... Which is pretty much right. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and that's even before you had cancer. Yeah. Uh, and then... No, actually, I, in, in saying that, yeah. um, Lane was amazing uh, as far as, you know, because I was pretty much bedridden for the first couple of weeks and, and all that sort of thing. And 
um, I couldn't have asked for better support because mm-hmm. I was probably a, you know, uh, a pretty out of it sort of demanding oh, yeah. little sod for a couple of Well, that weeks. were the nurses dealing with you. I didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean when I came home. Oh, yes. How aware were you of what, what you would be going through after the surgery? Uh, a fair bit, and that was the that was the good thing about um, Philip Stricker's, um, you know, sort of a team, shall we call it? Um, there's uh, he has a, 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 a lady that sort of looks after the post stuff um, and calls you every couple of days to see how you're going mm. and all that. But yes, there was a plethora of information after the first visit as to what to expect. There's DVDs, there's actually a DVD of the robotic operation, so you can watch <laughs> that, which we did. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of information. Um, I think probably because the result afterwards is different with every person. There's maybe not as much information as I would have liked uh, in regards to um, to, to the, your whole plumbing working properly again, um, bladder control and obviously um, uh, erection, function. erectile function and all that sort of thing. Um, that's all pretty much hit and miss and, and different with every individual. So, I mean, there's information about the different different sort of good and bad things that can occur, but um, yeah, that's sort of a, that's a bit of an unknown, Um, and you've just got to have a really good, I think, good head about it, knowing that you've just had a massive operation, uh, and it's completely stuffed around with that area of your body, and it takes time. You You both mentioned it, and you know, you don't have to answer me. But I, I am interested. No, this, I haven't had an erection. <laughs> well, this is the thing. You know what? It, you've got a you know a clearly working relationship, and you know that's a part of anyone's healthy relationship. Absolutely. What are some things that, Lane, from your perspective, what what's some things that people have to kind of bear in mind about expectations to manage during their recovery process, and you know. It doesn't mean that he doesn't like me. It doesn't, you know, because that's, that's, you know, there's so many triggers there, isn't there? Yeah, you got to be realistic about it because, uh, and there's a, there's a historical um, mindset as well because it also depends on what do, what do both of you, how do you, what is your relationship with sex in general? Um, so prior to. Prior yeah. to even meeting each other and then the relationship, the sexual that we have, relationship that we had before the operation compared to after. Um, is obviously extremely different because you can't, I mean, <laughs> the benefit of it is that he can, he literally can inject a needle into his penis and get an erection. Bam, we're going. So <laughs> we it's can, awesome. It's on call. <laughs> well, but, in, in saying that, as what, what, you know, Lane just said, um, there are a whole lot of things that they suggest you do, including um, taking small doses of Cialis every day. Um, or Viagra. Yeah, or Viagra, but the Cialis is their preferred option. Um, and for me, after three or four months, I was, you know, still not getting an erection. Um, and that was when they they introduced the injection thing at least twice a week. Um, but my suggestion to anyone out there really is is do it all um, yeah. right right from the it's onset not a because it's not all. about yeah it's not about. Um, you know, yes, it's great to 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 be able to sort of um, 
have sex again, even though it's via the injection, it does way more than just that. It actually opens up all the blood vessels and, and teaches, um, teaches your penis to work again. So it's all important, you know, yeah. all of that stuff. Uh, do yeah. it all if you want it to happen again, you know. Thank you for sharing that because this is a part of the conversation that a lot of people don't have. They yeah. Some people that I've heard of, they rush into the, I've got to get this t yeah. cut out, not really considering what happens on, on the other side, particularly for, for people in a relationship. Mm. Yeah. What, and what's been good too is that Lane has um, Lane's attended most of the visits to all the different um, doctors and, and uh, specialists and things that I've had to go and see since the operation and, and even before the operation. So she's been very much, uh, you know, clued in and aware of, you know, what to expect and what not to expect and been able to ask questions and all that. So, you know, it's been a journey totally together and I think that's really important, um, you know, especially when in regards to... Uh, you know, the sex side of things because um, that is, you know, it just wouldn't work if I went and came home and said, well, darling, we've got to do this. And she'd ask all the questions and why, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and it just makes it difficult. It's it? medicinal. Yeah. <laughs> so they tell. It's thera therapeutic, honey. Yeah, but it's very important for your partner, I reckon, to be involved with, you know, as much as they can um, yeah. of the whole process and all of the doctor's visits and everything just so that you both... You know, know what's going on. And yeah. we know how men are with instructions, right? Mm. Those things that I've put in the bin before I've even opened the box. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's a flat pack. <laughs> yeah, that's just like here. Then, then you have them. to use yeah. the spin. Yeah. So for a lot of relationships, I mean, as you mentioned, after the surgery that you were, you were bedridden, the time of life that this normally affects men is when they're fathers, when they're the role, you know, they're, they're, they have a, a kind of a, a role in a lot of people's lives and then suddenly they're this person confined to bed and, you know, plumbing's not working properly. And A, it might be a little frightening for, for the man to be like, mm, now I'm being seen, I'm kind of weak right now and I can't do anything about it. And no, B, I'm vulnerable. yeah, but also B, for the, for the other people in life, like, oh, that energy's not there. What do, how does the household work now? Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't eat. Turn turned ours upside down. Because my cook's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My chef's in bed in the hospital. So. But mind you, look, I was, <laughs> only in, I was only in hospital for, what, three... Five days. Three to four days is, is what they normally... With the robotic surgery that I had. Um, and then, really, they encourage you to start walking virtually straight away. So, um, yes, I was in bed a lot because, well, for the first 10 days I had a um, catheter uh, yeah. and wow. didn't... Sorry, I'm, I'm flinching over here because yeah, I had yeah. one. Yeah. Didn't, didn't really feel like going out that much, so, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, realistically it was less than two weeks and I was pretty much, you know, up and about, not doing anything majorly physical but going for walks and all that sort of thing and walking up and down the hallway of the hospital yeah well there yeah, for while i was there but then when i was here i'd, I'd walk down to uh fresh water and get the mail and come back and stuff like that so um you get going pretty quickly to be honest considering the the extent of the um the surgery and i think the one of the things that one of the things we did underestimate with the surgery was the internal damage that, well, the internal alterations that have to occur for that prostate to be taken out. Because they have to cut through your stomach lining and they have to blow your cavity up full of gas to move organs around. And so you've got a, 
and then you've got a whole lot of internal stitching as well as external stitching. So you've, I don't think anyone really considers what effect that has on your body and each person heals differently. So you've got to be patient and take mm. the time to allow your body to heal. And I mean, some people who are super fit are up and running straight away and then there are others that need to take the time to recuperate. So it, like I said, there's no one-size-fits-all policy, but it does come down just to common sense and, and giving your body time to heal, but then also making sure that you stay active and, as Kirk said, do the things that you know are going to give you the best chance of a 100% success rate in the future because mm. it is a it is a really long-term game that you're playing here. As, as you mentioned, you're only a few months into this. Yeah. Um, Lane, what kind of things have you been doing outside to, to make sure that you're able to provide the best support, not only for yourself but also for Kirk? So as a surfer, the one thing that keeps my life in perspective and keeps me happy is going surfing. So I had to make sure that I made the time to surf. Um, otherwise, I would have been a miserable sod. And so I make her go and surf a lot yeah, of the time too. Yeah, he does. Yeah, if he sees me down and out, then he shuts my computer and says, "Go surfing," because <laughs> it makes me happy. Uh, so definitely making the time to um, to look after myself, and uh, and also just making sure that I give myself perspective and and also when I feel afraid then sharing that emotion and, and expressing my emotions and and not bottling it up and pretending that it's all good and, and putting on this this brave face like who, who is it I'm trying to be brave for exactly am I trying to be brave for him who's just been through hell or am I trying to be brave for everyone else's perspective I mean I can I am I am also allowed to be weak and vulnerable through these times uh, and and the more emotion, and the more that we share about how it's affecting both of us, the, the more support we can provide for each other. But I find that as people go through challenges in life that they tend to isolate themselves. We all become silos or islands and we don't want to, we don't want to either burden somebody down with, with our pain or we don't want people to think that we're weak or vulnerable and, and all that does is actually prolong the pain and suffering. So the sooner that you can take the time to acknowledge that things aren't okay and share that with someone and not judge it and not fear it and express it, the sooner you'll get past it. Mm, absolutely. I agree with that. Thanks. Be responsible, you know, <laughs> for, for your body and your, your health, you know. Yeah. I mean, one of the great things about the human body is it kind of tells you stuff if, if you're willing to listen, you know, and certainly um, uh, part of the the the, the whole, you know, learning bladder control again. Um, <laughs> uh, is if you do too much, then suddenly you leak, you know, in, in your underpants or your pants, and you go, oh, okay, I'm doing too much. You yeah. Know? So your body tells you, when, you know, when you when you need to slow down. And, and if you're not listening, you will wet your pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, that, you know, <laughs> look, it's six months now, is it? March yeah. was the operation. Um and uh, I reckon I'm doing pretty damn well, you know, overall. Um, and, and as Lane said, I am pretty pragmatic about it all and um, willing to do what is necessary and, and everything that will help uh, my, my sort of physical recovery. And I think so far um, I'm on track, which is good. Mm. You, you're both, you're obviously, a, you're a very tight-knit unit, you guys. Yeah. Uh, but... Surely you've been able to find support from your, your friends outside of the relationship. Mm. Yeah, we have. So definitely um, uh, our friends, Kirk's naturopaths, who've been best friends with for 30-odd years, uh, they've provided monumental support. We've also, we both go to a, um, a practitioner called an NET 
therapist, so a neuroemotional technique. So it's a chiropractor, but it also deals with the emotional component of what's going on physically because they're both very intertwined, they're very aligned, and if you just deal with one and neglect the other, then you'll continue to procreate the, the symptoms or the, mm. the outcomes that you actually don't really want. So, um, you know, we, we, uh, we're very open and honest and communicative about things that are going on. We're patient, we're understanding, um, and it's okay to be scared. You know? So if we are in a state of, of uncertainty or feeling fearful, then um, then we we put our hand up and ask for help. We we definitely don't ostracise ourselves. So yeah, we have we're very grateful for the abundance of support and um, expertise that we have around, especially in Australia. Mm. Now we're very very lucky to live in a country like Australia where we have such tremendous medical support and an incredible medical system and and pioneers like Dr Stricker, um, who are um, who are out there just to support not only the men but the, the whole family unit mm. in, and people going through these circumstances because uh, it's when we started speaking about it openly, it was remarkable to, to find out how many men actually have prostate cancer and how oh, yeah. differently mm. it affects people mm. um, and, and also the, the, um, the, the mental applications to it as well. So, it's yeah, it's been a, a fascinating journey and... and one that I'm actually tremendously grateful for because it's taught me a lot about us and... and um, yeah, a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, it's taught me a lot about life. Mm. Wow, that you guys can find a, that perspective, reframe it as a positive of what it's given you. Yeah. Well, I, you know... I must, so I live my life, really. Yeah, it's it remarkable. is. A lot of people don't do that, though. No, no, I know. Well, we don't play victims. You know? <laughs> but then, I, you know, I, look, I had a, a, a very fortunate and I guess it's, you know, thankfully for my, as Lane called me, anal diligence with, <laughs> with blood tests and that. OCD, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got to it early and that's the big important thing. You know, I got, I got to the whole thing, um, thankfully, very early uh, in, in its career, my cancer. <laughs> Um, uh, one hit wonder. Only. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was <laughs> one night only. Yeah, it was one night only. <laughs> but you know, I was very lucky Stop, that, that at that listen. at that point it was <laughs> Hendrix and the Monkeys. Two shows and it's over. <laughs> two shows. That's too too many. <laughs> uh, pulling out the old ones. But yeah. That's for you, yeah. But I, I was very fortunate that it was um, the cancer was only in the prostate. I mean, with other people that. Uh, you know, it's it spreads, and, and it would have with me as well. So mm. um, I didn't have to have chemo or anything like that because once they removed the prostate, it was, um, it was gone. But, you know, with the whole prostate thing, you know, there's so many different levels and factors and age and all that. I mean, they, I think statistically, in the end, uh, most men die with prostate cancer. They don't necessarily Before it kills them. They don't necessarily <laughs> die of prostate cancer, but they die with, with prostate cancer. Um, so it's extremely common and that's kind of heartening in a way in that you know you're not alone. Um, there's plenty of other peeps out there that are dealing with it and have dealt with it and are about to deal with it and yeah. um, it, it's you know it, it's fairly well um, looked after these days um, from a medical level. Guys, speak up. Yeah? Yeah. That's your message to That's people? That's my message. Yeah. Just speak up. <laughs> speak about it. Talk and about it. And just go and get a blood test. I mean, it's yeah, just it's a little, little prick in your arm for a couple of minutes. and then <laughs> Just a little prick. And then get a, you know, a week later getting the results and you'll know how you are and it's oh, a good thing. there's my doctor calling me right now. 
<laughs> well, that's probably, that's probably a sign for us to get to wrap this up. So, uh, what are you going to do for Movember this year, Kirk? You've got the one of the most iconic mows in our country. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, I, I want to shave it off. Can it, I? Can I? Well, I, I've I've obviously come on board with Movember, um, and uh, as an ambassador for the for the first time for me this year. So yes, we are going to shave uh, my moustache off um, right at the beginning of of November, Movember. Uh, and I, yes, I think Lane should do it. I think you should be the one. I'm going to. Which I have more fear of than... <laughs> but I, I've had my moustache and whatever, well, 20 years on and off, but um, certainly it's been on my face for pretty much the last 11 years. So um, it's, it's going to be weird. It's going to shave five years off your age too, I reckon. Is that? Yeah. you got this little baby face. It's only superficial though, Lane. <laughs> You're being <laughs> so yeah, and then I'm I'm going to get involved with the whole campaign this year. Fantastic. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Because there's, I think there's that whole that look right there on your face, that whatever you call it, moustache and flavour saver. I think that's what they call those things. Is that what they call it? <laughs> think so. Yeah, flavour saver. Yeah. Flavour saver. That's called the pengilly. So <laughs> it is. It's got its own name. It's got its own. It's got its own identity. Yeah. So. Um, it's going to be interesting seeing you without the pingillion. Yeah. In fact, we we did a charity golf game up in um, Mudgee a uh, <laughs> year or two ago, and anyway, um, being you know celebrities, we were invited up, and and we were to go with different teams and whatever. And the team that that bidded for me um, made t-shirts, and their t-shirts had like this logo, which was awesome. It was my glasses with a little mo, so no features, no eyes, no nose, no <laughs> mouth. So it's just glasses and my little I mo thing. that's going to become his new logo. And, uh, it was fantastic, so. yeah. yeah. That's I got your a, new logo. That's so if good. you ever get a job or do anything, yeah, you right. use that logo. Get a real job. Yeah, yeah. Okay. stop living on royalties. Last two questions, mate, living on royalties, that's the dream, come on. <laughs> last two questions. Uh, what value, we'll ask these questions of everybody, but last two questions. Uh, what value do you appreciate most in your mates? In my mates? Mm. Um, I think honesty. Uh, just yeah, just being honesty, uh, being honest, and and um, and being there. Yeah. Yeah. And the last question: If you could pick up the phone mm. and call eighteen-year-old you, <laughs> what would you say? You should have done all those girls you knocked. Out. <laughs> You're living in regret for the rest of your life. Huh? <laughs> How many of those girls? Oh, there's about two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you so much for sharing with us. It's so wonderful that you would have us in your home. And, and Thanks for coming. Thanks very out. much. Good to see you. You guys are great. That was Kirk Pengilly and Lane Beachley. Uh, you can find them both on Twitter. Let them know you heard them here. And please uh, support them during the month of November. It's a really special story. I'm, I'm sure you'll agree. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. I'm so glad I could bring you that conversation. However, it should never replace a conversation with your own doctor. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you want to listen to more episodes of the show, you can catch up at movemberradio.com on SoundCloud or in the podcast app of your choice. We'll talk to you next week. This episode of Movember Radio was produced by myself, Osher Ginsberg, with Molly Hindman and Lavanya McGendron. Audio production on this show was by Daryl Misson and music was by the ever-talented toe hider thank you so much for listening have a great week talk to you soon
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.